0: Welcome to this week's podcast from Ocean's Church in Orange County. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. For more information, please visit our website at theoceanschurch.com. It's so good to have everybody here today, uh, man. I missed you guys. I just feel like seven days is too long before I see you again. I'd like to see you guys sooner than seven days, but excited for what God is doing. <clears throat> Honored to be with you guys today. Rochelle sends her greetings. She's actually with her family right now in Idaho, and so uh, she'll be back next week. <clears throat> Everybody doing good? Yeah. Just having a good time so far? Yeah. Excited for what, man, the music was just so powerful today. People go, Mark, why is it when the when the band sings, I feel like emotional sometimes? And I like to let you know that's the presence of God. And many people that come to church, like especially churches like ours, and they go, I've never really felt the energy or the just the environment that I walk into these tents, some of you drive onto our parking lot you can feel it who's ever just came into our property you can kind of feel something here and i want you know we pray that every week don't we staff we pray when people drive into our parking lot let them feel the presence of god let them walk into the tents and get teary-eyed go man there's something in here that's beyond the band and so we're excited that you're here if you're watching online would you give a hand clap to all of our friends online today want to welcome you out we're excited that you're here Hey, if you're brand new today online or in the room, every week at Oceans Church, we open up the Bible. We we believe that God speaks in many ways, but his most consistent way of speaking is through his word. And uh, I think it's very, very key, and I'll do a series in the future that talks about why we stake our lives on this book. And right now... Whenever there's, whenever there's polarization in society, the Bible always comes under attack. It's been under attack by dictators and kings since the origins of the Bible. The good news is every time the Bible is persecuted, even when it goes underground, it always comes back above ground with signs and wonders following. And so uh, you don't have to defend the Bible. One scholar said defending the Bible is not needed. It's like, a, it's like defending a lion. You don't defend a lion. You just let it out of its cage. It'll take care of itself. <laughs> And so we stake our lives on this book. We believe this book is inspired, that it's infallible. We believe that it's God-breathed. Can I get a witness? Plenary verbal is what scholars say. It means that it's, it's God-breathed even to the selection of words. Well, wasn't it written by un- imperfect men? Yes, but it was written by one author. His name is the Holy Spirit. People say, how do you know it got, it got preserved over the years? Because people like Josh McDowell and other apologists have went back to some of the earliest documents in the first century and have found things in, in, in order as they were now back then. Yeah. And so we know that God, listen to me, if God wrote a book, don't you think he would preserve it? Yeah. You think that God would preserve something that he wanted all of his kids to read? So I don't know why I'm getting into this, but I want you to know today that I do believe that there is, there is safety and there is an ability to trust this book that will lead your life in the right direction. And many people, they don't, and they suffer the consequences. So today, I want you to know, number one, we're glad you're here. Can I get an amen? We love everybody. If you don't believe in our God, we're, we're excited you're here. I wasn't. I was an atheist at one point in my life. I was agnostic for a window of my life. And I had an encounter when I was 18 that was was undeniable. It was unmistakable. It was life-altering. It changed the way I saw the world. It changed my politics. It changed my values. It changed my habits. It changed my bad habits. And the good news is that unlike dead religion, when Jesus moves into your life, no one has to tell you to change. That's what religion does. Religion says you have to behave to belong not the way it works. When you have an encounter with God, your belief will affect the way that you you behave. When the Spirit of God invades your heart, it affects the way you live your life. I often say that probably the the most similar parallel to Christianity is like when someone gets pregnant. Pregnancy is a byproduct of an intimate encounter that leads a new life inside of you. Christianity is not a byproduct of being talked into a religion, coerced into some intellectual perfect theology. It's this idea that the Spirit of God would knock on the door of your heart, that you would open up, and when that Spirit of God moves inside of you, so does a new life. And the longer he stays in you, and the more you feed the Spirit of God inside of you, guess what? The bigger he gets. And the bigger he gets in you, the more you show. And all of a sudden, your friends go, oh, you must be pregnant. Come on, somebody. (laughs) By the way, do not do this in the real world. Made that mistake once. Luckily, it was at a family reunion. We'll keep going. If you have your Bible, turn with me to the book of Galatians. We've been in a series uh, today uh, in the last couple of weeks called The Promise. The Promise. We've been talking about the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. I know entire denominations get nervous when you talk about the Holy Spirit. I've heard seminary professors that are brilliant, that get scared, and they warn their students, beware of anybody that teaches about the Holy Spirit. Because the third person of the Trinity is the part that launched the church in a big party called Pentecost. He's the one that invaded a bunch of 120 men and women that were untrained and unsophisticated and helped them turn the world upside down. The Holy Spirit was the part of the Godhead that filled Jesus to do the miracles of Jesus, to walk in the perfection of Jesus, to have the appetite of the Father and the values of the Father. It was the Spirit. Can I get a witness here today? So we've been trying to do our very best in Orange County, a place that honors the Bible, but is a little bit skeptical about that Holy Spirit stuff. So I've been doing a series uh, the last few weeks. If you missed them, I want to encourage you to go back. This week, I'm going to be talking to you about holy fruit. Holy fruit. Next week, we're going to talk about holy gifts. You guys ready? But I want to do this first because I think sequentially, if we have the, the power of God, which is the gifts, which 1 Corinthians 12 talks about, but we do not have the fruit of God, which is the character of God. We are a powerful, non, non-godly church. And there's a lot of people that are very prophetic. They're very powerful. They're very charismatic, which is just the word means gifted. Charos. Uh, yeah, charis is, is grace. And it's a grace gift. And many people that are gifted, but they're not godly. You ever met someone that can pray good, preach good, sing good, but their morality was garbage? And you ever met someone that has a great character, but there's zero power? There's a lot of churches that are theologically as straight as a gun barrel, but just as empty. Are you hearing me? They preach a clear message, but they know there's no room for the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit is the part of the the church that lights the church with, with dynamic power. It's where we get the word dunamis. Dunamis is the word that we actually created dynamite after. I would like to remind you that the Holy Spirit was not named after dynamite. Dynamite was named after the Holy Spirit. Good, good little thought there. You got your Bible? Galatians chapter 5. If you're brand new today, I'm going to read uh, about, uh, I think I'm reading uh, 10 verses. Galatians chapter 5. And if you're new today, and you're like, Mark, what's this about? Today I want to talk to you about something that all of us are born in. All of us are born under the same condition. Paul, who's the greatest, probably one of the greatest teachers of the Bible, greatest scholars of the Bible outside of Jesus, he tells us that there's two conditions, right? Two conditions. Everyone in these tents, everyone online, knows what, is going to know what I'm talking about. There is the condition that you're born into, which is according to Paul, it's called the works of the flesh. And that is your low nature. That is the nature that you do not have to train. You don't have to program it. You don't have to discipline it. When you come out of the womb, you come out selfish. No one has to teach you to be greedy. No one has to teach you to say mine. Yeah. Parents know this. No one has to teach you to be uh, stingy, uh, selfish, lustful, perverted, greedy. Are you hearing me today? These things are natural to all humanity. We are all born, according to Romans, under the fallen condition of one man's sin called Adam. And that's why Jesus came a a couple thousand years after that. Because what one man lost through his disobedience, Jesus regained through his obedience. And when you read the Old Testament and the New Testament, you see that they actually complement each other perfectly. One man's disobedience in a garden cursed humanity. And one man's obedience in a garden. Come on, save the tomb. Notice that when Jesus resurrected, who was there? A gardener. They thought Jesus was the gardener. You know why? Because Adam was the gardener. And what Adam lost in the garden as the gardener, Jesus resurrected as the gardener and brought it back. You ready to go today? So I want to remind you, ladies and gentlemen, that all of us are born of the same fallen nature. And until you have a God encounter, no one has to teach you to do what's wrong. It comes naturally. Someone has to teach you to do what's right. And so there's two natures. There's the low nature, which is the works of the flesh. And there is the high calling that God calls us to, which is referred to as the fruit of the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Holy Spirit is a byproduct of the Spirit of God living inside of you. I would never expect someone to value the fruit of the Spirit until they get filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? And I want to repeat this again, because you might not agree with me today, but I would never expect you to believe what I believe if you have not experienced what I've experienced. That's religious. When we say, you have to believe like me if you've never experienced what I've experienced. That's why the whole world deserves a God encounter. All right. It's quiet in here if you're watching online. Tough crowd today. First service was good. All right, Galatians 5, verse 16. Paul says, I say then, walk in the spirit. Walk in the what? Come on with me today. Come on, say it again. Walk in the what? Walk in the spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh is at war against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. These two are opposed. They're contrary to one another. So that you do not do the things that you wish. Who has ever done something you did not want to do? How many, how many didn't do what you wanted to do? Uh, every January, right? <laughs> this is the year. We're excavating the six-pack, right? It's like, no, it's not the year. That thing's still buried. I have a six-pack, but now my cans are turned sideways. Y'all ready? So, we've all been there before. We said we're not going to do it, and we did it. We said we're not going to do it, and we did it. Even Britney Spears said, oops, I did it right again. So, tough crowd. It says this, <clears throat> we do what we do not wish, but if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh, Paul gets very descriptive. Forgive me for the vul- being vulgar. Paul probably felt bad for having to be so honest. But I just want you, again, not, <clears throat> we're not judging anybody today, especially <clears throat> if you never had a God encounter. But I would say this very clearly. He says, you know what your flesh nature is like? He says they're evident. The flesh is really obvious. This is the flesh nature. <clears throat> it's adultery, sleeping with someone else's wife, Fornication, which incidentally, the word fornication is where we get the, it's the, it's the Greek word pornea. Does that sound familiar? It's where we get pornography. It says that works of the flesh are evident. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, which is an interesting word I'll share with you in a moment. Hatred, contentions, jealousies, outburst of wrath. I shared first service a secret that every time I read Galatians 5, when I read that part, I read it real loud. So I just read it like this. Hatred, contentions, jealousy. Upper wrath. <laughs> I'll crack myself up sometimes. <laughs> All right. Selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. Here's the kind of uh-oh mic drop of Paul. He said, I told you this beforehand. Paul said, this is a message I preach everywhere I go. This is a, this is a message, one of my life messages. I told you this in times past that those who live for their low nature, for the flesh nature, those who practice, but the, the key word here is practice. It doesn't mean, because listen to me, ladies and gentlemen, we have all been born under the low nature. We've all operated under the low nature. We've all been governed by our low nature. But that's what he says. When you have an encounter with God, that you can't continue to practice. The word practice is the Greek word prasso, and it means this, to perform repeatedly, habitually. It means that you would give into the the flesh nature you put no fight up to live for your low nature and that you would abandon your high call and disregard the spirit of god causing you to become desensitized and he says this if you get to that point he says you won't inherit the kingdom of god eternally and you're going to miss out on god's kingdom on earth too it's very clear and i know that's not popular it's not the the grace message that some people like to hear every week. That you're just going to go to heaven regardless of how screwed up you are. I do believe that sinners go to heaven because we all sin. But I do believe there's a spirit of God that moves inside of us that calls us. Y'all ready to preach a little bit today? You should talk back to me a little bit. If it gets good in here, you can say amen. So watch this. I'm going to talk about what most pastors don't want to talk about. He says, if you do these things, you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit, this is the good news. He says the fruit. What, What is he talking about? The fruit of the spirit is nine things. Love, joy, peace. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, there is no law. Incidentally, you don't need a law if people are governed by the Spirit. And those who are Christ have, those who are Christ. Is there anybody here that belongs to Christ? If you're watching online, I'd say about half the room raised their hands. Is there anybody that belongs to Christ in here in Orange County? Well, let me remind you, because we live in a day and age that totally do not tell us these truths. That those that belong to Christ, this is what it says, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Paul goes on the record to say there's desires that live inside of you that are not, they don't belong to God. They don't produce the fruit of God. They don't bear the life of God. And if those, those things, they drive your life. You will build something you don't want to live in one day. So he says, if we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Say with me, walk in the spirit, fruit of the spirit. I want to talk to you about holy fruit today. My title for this little talk, this sermon, this big idea, if you're a TED talker, would be uh, still the same, still the same. Tap your neighbor and say, still the same. Let's pray. God, we just love you. I pray for the next 25 minutes that you would move in a powerful way. Meet us here today. I thank you that you would invade these tents do what only you can do, Lord, we pray. We just pray for more championships for the Lakers. We pray for the, for the Rams, the Chargers, the Clippers, the Angels, and the Dodgers. We'll even throw the Padres in there, Lord, in Jesus' name. Kings, Ducks, and everyone said amen. It's got to cover our state, ladies and gentlemen. i, I mentioned uh, before, I forgot a couple weeks ago, but I am 38 years old. And uh, it's amazing how much change has happened in 38 years of living. I've seen technology progress at a rapid rate. Uh, 38 years ago, the internet was not really known about. I remember when I remember when uh, email became a thing. Who remembers Hotmail? Some of you still got it. Just saying. I remember Hotmail coming out. I remember uh, AOL Messenger. You've got mail. Meg Ryan, Tom Hanks, come on. You've got mail. I remember you got mail. I remember uh, the, the the MySpace. Some of you are still on there. Say hi to Tom for me. MySpace came out, you had the era of social media, Facebook came, Instagram came, I I, I chose not to participate in TikTok, we have a generation that's biblically illiterate, but they know how to dance, and uh, we had TikTokers out there, we got all these things, and so we uh, we got all these different platforms going on in the world, world's changing rapidly, I would say the last three years, things have changed more dramatically than probably the last 30 years almost put together, a lot of change, but there are still, there's still things that are the same, still the same. Uh, I would like to go on the record and say there are still a lot of uh, mosquitoes in Idaho, still the same. And uh, to be honest with you, if I was going back 30 years, talking to me at eight years old, I would say, Mark, there's going to be several things that are still the same. Uh, 2022, it's the future. There's going to be skinny phones with heavier people. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Smartphones with dumb batteries. Are you with me? We're going um, to be in a different a period of time, but here's the deal. We're, uh, there's some, of the, some things that are not going to change. Even though we have tablets, computers, laptops, why, uh, let's say laptops, it's like tater tots and laptops put together, the laptop, guys, that's an invention right there. We're going to have all these things, all this technology, but some things aren't going to change. Uh, two of them are going to be uh, doctor's offices. They're still going to have clipboards. That's not going anywhere. You're still going to have to fill out every time you show up to the doctor 17 pages, with about four or five more questions than the MCAT exam, you're going to have to fill that out and let them know that you, you, this, is, this is who you are. What else is not going to change is uh, the pharmacy's not going to change. The pharmacy is not going to start your order until you get to the counter. I would tell myself that because I would have had higher hopes that that would have changed. Uh, the truth is, though, it hasn't changed. We know that you're not the doctor. They call in the pharmacy. They say it'll be ready in 15 minutes. I would say to myself 30 years ago, don't believe them. I would say that when you show up to the pharmacy, they're going to say, actually, you could call before you came, and they would say, it'll be ready in 15 minutes. I would say, don't believe them. I would say you would show up to the pharmacy, get to the counter, expecting to pick up your meds, and they're going to say, wait another 15 minutes. I thought, I thought that by this time in history, things would progress, but I realized in all of this that uh, the, strategy of, the strategy of Walgreens and CVS is delayed prescription fulfillments. That's the only reason they sell bags of chips and generic ice cream. (laughs) Hasn't changed. A lot of things have changed. Fruit hasn't changed. Oranges are still oranges. Apples are still apples. Fruit has not changed. Right? Right? I would say that things change in a culture that's rapidly evolving, rapidly changing, And I think that right now we're in this window of history that people are kind of at war between what is changing and what is everlasting. Are some things on the chop block for discussion? Can we change things that have always been the way that they've been? We come to church in our times, and I think that we're wondering what is eternal and what is changing. I was thinking about this, that one of the things that God does through his spirit is he moves into the lives of men and women because he wants to go everywhere this week that you go. He wants to meet with everybody this week that you meet with. One of the ways that God does this is by filling us with his Holy Spirit. I would go on the record to say that living like a Christian without the spirit of the Holy Spirit living inside of you is very frustrating. It is hard to live godly without God living inside of you. It's tough to live like Jesus without the spirit that Jesus lived with. And right now in society, we live in a, in a society that's driven by the works of the flesh and not led By the fruit of God's Spirit. I would go on the record to say that the works of the, of the flesh are works and the fruit of the Spirit is fruit. And right now we have a cosmic dilemma that has been asked since the origins of our faith has been established. Will we live for the low nature that we're born with, or will we let the Spirit of God fill us and live for the high nature that He fills with the fruit that He offers? It is a choice that every generation has had to make. And I'm telling you right now that many of you are suspicious of God. Can you really know Jesus? Can you really be filled with the Spirit? Can he really change your appetites and desires? I heard one man say that in life, there's enough visibility to see the light, and there's enough ambiguity to be critical. You choose. Many people, they say, I don't have enough evidence that God is real. Some people say, I don't see enough evidence that he's not real. I believe that you, what, what you believe is true. I think that, well, in the the sense that God will show you himself if you believe that he's there. Say it with me. Roots, fruits, and gifts. So important in our day and age. Many people hate the fruit of their life, but they don't realize that there is a root involved. That's why people can complain with the lack of money they have and get a job that pays more and find themselves in the same predicament. You got new fruit but you have the same roots. You can actually get into a different relationship with someone better looking or someone better off and end up in the same predicament because you have the same roots. Same you're trying to change the the fruit of your life but the roots are still the same. And I believe that if we want to see a revival in America, a revival in Orange County, if we want to see the family unit uh, intact and restored and God move in our land, we have to get back to this idea that there is only one vine that produces the fruit that we want in our lives. And his name is Jesus Christ. John 15 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Matthew 7 says, if bad trees cannot bear, good fruit. Good trees cannot bear bad fruit. You know them by their And many people today, they don't like the fruit of their lives, but they're too proud or they're too, they're too ignorant to acknowledge what could change the fruit of their life is by letting God discover a new root inside of them. It is the roots of Jesus that produce the fruits of the Spirit. And life is a battlefield with the flesh and the spirit opposing each other. They can telling you right now, you can live the rest of your life, but you can't live totally off guard. Every day you wake up, there is a battle for who you're going to live for every day. Are you going to live for the flesh nature? That's easy. Are you going to be like Paul and deny your flesh? nail it to the cross like jesus and say yeah mark francie yeah he was angry mark francie he was perverted mark francie yeah he wasn't very godly but mark francie was crucified in the summer of 2002 it is no longer mark francie that lives it is christ jesus and his spirit that lives inside of me we have too many christians in here that are governed by their low nature they say i feel this way i i i I thought this way i had this idea we own every garbage thought that pops through our head and here's a word to the young generation just because you think it and just because society celebrates it doesn't mean it's you can i get a real amen well it's popular there's a lot of things that popular that aren't going to lead you to heaven gonna get quiet up in the presbyterian church for a second but I felt like the Lord wanted me to tell you that it's, it's a choice that every generation makes. Will we live to invite him in to live for a high call that fills our lives with the fruit of his spirit? Or will we give in to our low appetite and just settle for grace band-aids the rest of our life that says, God, I know I'm broken. I know I'm screwed up. I know I'm going to be like this forever. There's no hope for change. Many people believe this facade. They believe this lie. But I would tell you that this is like uh, the the, the age-old myth that if you live for your lower nature, life will be more fun. Do you know the original sin in the garden with Adam was the idea that the devil came to him and said, God is holding out on you. I know there's hundreds of trees in this garden. They're all delicious. But there's two that, man, you should be eating. And God knows that you're actually missing out. And the lie of the enemy that hasn't changed since the beginning is, is that he tells you things that are partially true and then they're partially false. The the lie was, he said, if you eat it, you'll be like God. Guess what? They already were. It says that we were made in the image of God. They didn't need to eat the fruit to be like God. They already were like God. That was a lie. And since the origins of, of our time, the devil has come on the scene and said, no, no, God is holding out on you. I'm telling you, you really want to give God your heart. You want to give God your life. You want to be a part of building his kingdom. You want to plant your life in a church. You want to honor God's word. You're going to miss out. But I will tell you this before God today that you give in to your low appetite. I've never met anybody that has fed their low appetite for a period of time that has ended up happy and fulfilled. The low appetite will rob your life and then blame God for it. That's what it'll do. It's kind of like a Christmas tree. Who likes Christmas trees? It's, it's like a Christmas tree. That was elevator scene from... We'll keep going. Uh, this generation loves Christmas trees. My girls are obsessed with them. My, my wife doesn't want one like a normal family. She wants one in every room. I'm like, Rochelle, we're not, we're not rolling that deep, okay? We don't need to have Christmas trees in every room. But my wife's obsessed with them. She actually, she has this thing in our main room. We have to have a real Christmas tree. I'm like, babe, they're like, refinance your house expensive down here. (laughs) Idaho, we chop them down. Down here, we refinance our house. (laughs) So we get this big tree. It's real. We we, we go and buy this real tree that has been cut down. Don't judge me. If you're mad about that, you can email me at JoelFaust (laughs) at Hotmail. Listen, so we cut this, we, we buy this tree that's real. It's been cut down. My wife brings it home. We, we, we damage our vehicle, uh, kind of devalue our car and our house as we bring it into the home. Uh, we mess the carpet. Anyways, we, we get it in there. We get it in position. I start to decorate it with the lights. The girls put ornaments on it. It's shiny. It's goldy. It's silvery. It's got these colors, and it's got stuff, and it's got like this. Anyway, you know what I'm talking about? But here's the crazy thing. As beautiful as it looks, it's not alive. And it's crazy because even a tree that was living... When it's been cut down, it'll look alive only for a time. Usually, in Idaho, it lasts about a month, down here, it lasts about a week. And it dries out and it starts to reveal that there's actually no life in that dead tree anymore. And I'll tell you right now that the low nature, when your friends go out to clubs and they're sleeping with different people every night and they're getting high on the weekends and they still are making a lot of money and they're living this wild life and it looks like, oh my gosh, their life is so shiny. They're driving the sweet cars, they got the crazy house, they got tons of followers, they got everything that you think that would make a human being happy. I want you to know that time will tell what's alive and what's dead. And I'm telling you right now that your low nature will always overpromise and underdeliver. But the spirit of God is alive, and his fruit with time bears fruit. And more fruit and fruit that remains. Good trees don't produce bad fruit and bad trees don't, don't, don't produce good fruit. So important here today is that many people, that like a Christmas tree, they like the temporary good look of life, but they don't realize that in the end this thing is going to fall apart. We start in the flesh, all of us do. But I'll be honest with you, if you continue to live your life for your low nature, and you dishonor God, and you disregard his presence in your life, and you say, God, I'm good, I'll live for my my agenda, not for your agenda, I want you to know that everyone that I've ever met that has given their appetite to the low nature has always ended up empty and unfulfilled. You can't sleep with enough people, you can't look at enough porn, you can't make enough money, you can't buy enough toys. The society has lied to you that whoever dies with the most toy wins. You're not bringing any of that with you to the next life. Are you hearing me today? And no, I'm not against things. Things are fine. We live in Orange County, we've got a lot of nice things here. God has no problem with a nice house, a nice car, a nice cabin. Things aren't the issue. The problem is is when the things own you. God doesn't mind if you own things, but He doesn't want the things to own you. And that's what happens in our societies. We think, man, it's the stuff, it's the lifestyle. And the problem is that sometimes people come along and they say a message like this they say you know what god wants you to be full of his spirit he wants you to walk in his spirit and he wants to give you the power to tell your low nature no that's why fasting is so good every year because it reminds your flesh nature that you ain't in charge of this life and if you feel like being greedy we're gonna still we're still tithing and we feel like being selfish we're still gonna be kind to our neighbor And we don't feel like taking their trash can out. Come on, I'm still doing it. I don't live for my feelings anymore, flesh nature. I have crucified you with your passions and your desires. And I'm living for the spirit of God. Come on, if you're going to clap, give God a good hand clap today. People say, Mark, well, I don't believe in it because I heard a pastor say that if you live, you know, God wants you to live holy and he wants you to live with the fruit of the spirit. And that guy was actually sleeping around and he actually left the church. and The church fell apart. And I heard a bad teacher with a good message invalidate that truth. I want you to know that hypocrisy around a teaching does not invalidate it. You hear me today? Hypocrisy around a subject does not invalidate it. God wants to be more than study. He wants to be known. And when the Spirit of God knows you, He fills you. And part of Him filling you is the fruit that it produces in your life. Have you ever had an appetite change? You had a God encounter on Sunday? And by the way, I would like to remind you have a little commercial break right now that this is the one of the places every week that we should give God full permission to actually interrupt our plans for the week. If God can't stop an affair on Sunday... That you were going to have on wednesday at church where could he stop you if god can't get you to change the way you're operating your business on sunday where could he stop you ladies and gentlemen i want to go to a church that my sins die in that my low nature is crucified in and the god that i honor and worship is big inside of me in are you hearing me today this is where we meet with god and it's the spirit of god that actually suffocates our low nature the flesh that tries to ruin us and lead us into this shattered lifestyle. And I'll tell you right now, the early church, they had three things when the Holy Spirit came inside of them. They wanted to magnify God. They were a worshiping church. They were a praying church. They gave God their hearts, their lives, their, their entirety. They were a church that loved one another. And they were a church that turned the world upside down. What happens when the Holy Spirit is welcoming God's church again? Three things happen. People begin to exalt God at a high level. You start writing songs that go around the world. Come on, Ocean's Music. You start actually, you start you start doing things in your church that starts getting national media headlines. I'm telling you right now, when God starts moving, make note of this, God's exalted, people are loved, and cities are turned right side up. That's what God's going to do again in our day. If you believe it, say amen. amen. Problem is, is many people don't realize that the power of Jesus' ministry was in the Holy Spirit. We receive so important here that that Paul says, how do you receive the Holy Spirit, the fruit in your life? He says you didn't receive it by doing works in the law. He said you did it by receiving by faith. It was the hearing of faith, not the works of the law that caused the Holy Spirit to invigorate your soul and to move inside of you. I'm telling you, though, every day you wake up when you have a God encounter and you give God your heart and there's a battle over who you're going to serve today. And I'm telling you that the root will produce the fruits. And the fruit of the devil is murder, it's hatred, it's a hatred of the truth. And we need a vine, we need the vine. We need Jesus to actually transform what we produce in our life. God can do great things, but he wants our partnership. This is so important today. Humanity still produces the fruit of the roots. If you're tired of your fruit, you gotta, you gotta get new roots. And most people don't change. I've, I've talked to many psychologists, some of the best in the world, and they've told me, they said, Mark, most people don't change until the pain to stay is worse than the pain to change. And today, some of you are so sick and tired of living for your, no, your low nature. Because it tells you know, another girl, another guy, another another paycheck, another trip, another, another night at the club, another this, another that, and it keeps over promising. And all my friends that live for the low nature in high school and college, I still have friends back in my hometown that are still living the same life we lived at 14. And it's crazy because they have no regard for Monday through Thursday. It's all about Friday night. Can't wait for Friday. I'm like, I can't wait for Sunday. I'm more of a Sunday morning guy now. Not into Friday night as much more into Sunday morning. I don't get high anymore. I spend time with the most high. I don't do lines anymore, but I do, I do read lines every day. <laughs> I read them one line at a time, are you hearing me today? I believe that God's Word will actually change the fabric of your soul. I believe it's not just the Word of the God, it's the Spirit of God. And when He moves inside of it, it begins to change you. John 7 says, out of your belly flows rivers of living water. You know what begins to flow? It begins to flow. The word enthusiasm, it means entheos. It means, it means that the person of God begins, is so full of you that it begins to flow out of you. Enthusiasm, it means to be in God, that God is in you. Out of your belly will flow rivers of worship, rivers of witness, rivers of ministry, rivers of gifts, rivers of intercession and prayer, rivers of fruitfulness, rivers of wisdom and revelation. When the Spirit begins to move in you, His fruit begins to move out of you. We look around the world, what does it look like? It looks like what his list is. What's the list? If you were in Ocean's College, I would tell you that the list actually on a theological level is broken down the, the flesh, the works of the flesh, into sensual sins, religious sins, people sins, and social sins. This is the list in Galatians 5. And all of us have been there before, or we know people that are living there still adultery fornication again that's pornea it means sexual immorality in a broader sense it began by the use of a prostitute that's where it started and now we use it for pornography and i'll just tell you right now listen very clearly the holy spirit will never lead you into compromise he doesn't lead you into the appetites of your low nature he leads you into the appetites of your high calling good spot for an amen right there We know that there's things like uncleanness. Uncleanness in Galatians 5 is the opposite of purity. Lewdness means that you're ready to sin at any time. You ever been tempted like, oh, right away I'm giving into it. That's lewdness. Religious sins is idolatry. Idolatry is when you can't, is when you think that you can believe whatever you want, do whatever you want, and sit in God's seat. And that's where my generation, the young generation, is. We think that we can love Jesus, sing Jesus songs, read the Bible, the parts that we like, but ultimately we'll cut and paste what we don't like. That's idolatry, ladies and gentlemen. And Paul was on the record very clearly, he says, you practice that, you ain't going to heaven. And by the way, you're going you to miss out on heaven on earth. I'm not trying to be mean, I'm not trying to be rude, but I'm telling you right now, I would rather offend you with truth than you, you get surprised in heaven because preachers were too scared to tell you the truth. Well, what if they leave if you say that hell is real? Martin Luther said there'd be less hell in the pew if there was more hell behind the pulpit. I think we have to remind the world, yeah, you can change by the goodness of seeing the light or you can change by the flames of filling the heat. Both can change you. And my generation's scared of that stuff. They are. But one of my favorite theologians in the world that just went home to be in heaven, he got saved because someone told him, look, hell is real. Jesus is real. Go to Jesus. And it was the message of hell that made this guy who he was. And he wrote probably more, four or five books more than I've read. Come on. Guy was brilliant. I do believe that we got to remind the earth that your low nature is sensual, it's sexual sins, it's adultery, it's fornication, uncleanness, it's lewdness, there's religious sins, idolatry. How about this one? Sorcery. Sorcery is where we get the word witchcraft. This is going to be fascinating, right? Witchcraft, sorcery, is the Greek word pharmakeo. Does that sound familiar? What? Pharmacy. It means drugs. It means the use of drugs, potions, spells, the ancient world would take today by, like today, they would take hallucinogenics to open themselves up to another world. It means to use drugs for sorcery or getting high. Isn't it crazy that our generation has an opioid addiction? We got more people that are being in bondage they have no idea that they're willingly giving themselves to sorcery, which is doing drugs. My friend is my friend's in Idaho, they're cops. He says, "Mark, do you know that 90% of the people we arrest are either high or they're drunk?" 90%. You ever thought about why they call alcohol spirits? You thought about that? There's a if you study some of the origins of this stuff, it's 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 amazing. But we're cool with it. We're cool with three million people dying a year over excessive alcohol use. We're okay with a we're, we're okay with a death ratio of five point three percent of the world's population dying every year over over something that is completely avoidable. We're okay with thirteen point five percent of the deaths of twenty to thirty-nine year olds being the excess of alcohol. We're cool with it. We don't mind that hundred thousand people a year die in America alone of overdoses. High society. has low morality and here's my problem today is we flirt with stuff and we tolerate things in our homes and I'm just being very honest today but what walks in you will run in your kids I am bothered that Orange County's alcohol section of Costco is half the size of the store that's not normal ladies and gentlemen you go anywhere else in America you don't see this I'm not saying we need to be abstention we need to be uh, abolitionists that we can't drink alcohol I'm not saying that but I do believe that if you're gonna drink you need to be moderationalist because there is nowhere in scripture that endorses being drunk. There's nowhere in scripture that endorses getting high. Are you hearing me today? Well, it's legal here. There's a lot of things that are legal in California, Jethro, that'll ruin your life, that'll steal your lunch and blame it on God. Just because it's legal in Babylon doesn't mean it's good for the kingdom. I wish California would get a backbone and say amen to some of this stuff. That's kind of offensive. I'm just telling you right now, you give in to your low appetite, it will lead you to a home you don't want to live in. You'll end up in a marriage you're not in love with, with a family that you've neglected, with a job that you can't stand, and you look up and say, how did I get here? It's because you dishonor God. You can't dishonor God and live some high life and high calling. And if you get to a high place in life without God, it'll be it'll be hollow. Because it's only God that can fulfill the human soul. That's good preaching. I know it's heavy, but it's good preaching. Amen. I'm telling you today, so important. People's sins is hatred, contentions, jealousy, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envies, murders. And then there's social sins, drunkenness, revelries. I'll just be honest with you. We avoid the low nature when we stop ignoring the Holy Spirit when he says stop. Can I be honest with my own life? I slip in the areas that aren't God's spirit when I hear the Holy Spirit say, don't do that, don't go there, don't say that, don't, don't, don't watch that show, and I say, I got this Holy Spirit. When you sideline the warning of the Spirit of God, you open the door up for your flesh nature to begin to take dominance in who you are. And I'll be very honest with you, one of my observations living in California again for the last four years is there's too many Christians that are in bondage to their flesh nature and they're justifying the flesh that they're trying to justify fruit that doesn't grow on Jesus' vine. They're trying to justify fruit that doesn't grow on Jesus' vine. If your political view gives you, uh, it, it, it gives you the green light to hate people, it's not God. If your worldview gives you permission to disregard the Bible, it's not from the Spirit of God. Are you hearing me? So what do we know about the Spirit of God? The Spirit of God, His grace, will change your life and it'll save your soul. Spurgeon actually said it this way, the grace that does not change my life will not save my soul. If the Holy Spirit is powerful enough to get you to heaven, He is powerful enough to get heaven's appetite into you. So important. Can I give you a couple more things? Revival without the Holy Spirit is like melting an iceberg with the matchsticks. we got to be personally revived. How do we do that? We, we do this by ab- abiding. I'll give you a few things here today. Is the Spirit of God, when it fell on people, it changed. You know what's really cool? The word fell, when Peter in Acts 10 was talking and the Spirit of God fell on the believers in Cornelius' house. The word fell is a Greek word that's only used a couple places in Scripture. It's used in Luke 15, when the father saw the prodigal son from a long ways off. It says that the father ran to him and he fell on his... Neck, And he lovingly embraced him. There's three parts of the New Testament that says the Spirit of God fell. And guess what word it uses? The same word that the Father fell on the Son in love is when the Spirit of God falls on people in the church. When the Spirit falls on you, it's not judgmental. It's not critical, saying you're messed up, you're dirty, you're dark, you're nasty. The Spirit falls on you with love. And it's the goodness of God that changes the core of your being. No one tells you to stop doing stupid things. The Spirit of God starts saying, I wouldn't do that. And He lets you choose. Why is there evil in the world? Because He gave us the choice. Receive the Holy Spirit. I believe the quality of the fruit is determined by the health of the tree. Good trees bear good fruit. The fruit of the Spirit is the character of God. Many pursue the charisma of God without possessing the fruit of the vine. And I believe the reason why there's there's nine gifts of the spirit in 1 Corinthians 12 and there's nine fruits of the spirit Galatians 5 is there has to be an equal emphasis on the gifts of the spirit as there is on the fruit of the spirit Does that make sense? Orange County loves the prophetic, they love they love the gifts, but some people in Orange County are so religious and judgmental, right? We got to be godly, but we also have to be powerful. And it's hard to find a church that honors the fruit and the values of God and also has the power of God. Some churches have the power of God, but there is no, there's no wisdom, and there's no love there. we got to be both. So how do we bear good fruit? Well, I believe it happens very simply. Good fruit is a byproduct of being planted. Can I give you one cool revelation God gave me last night? It's a cool thought. Notice that it says that the, the works of the flesh. Works. Say it with me, works. That's plural. has an S on there. It means that everybody has multiple different types of darkness. Some of you, your darkness is anger, it's sexual perversion, it's lying, it's stealing, whatever it is. All of us have different works, plural, of the flesh. And in Corinthians, it says there's gifts, plural, with an S. Gifts, meaning that everyone has different types of gifts. But notice in Galatians 5, when it refers to the fruit of the Holy Spirit, it's singular. Why is it singular? I'll tell you the secret. It's because God's expectation for every believer is to produce the same cluster of fruit. It's not like the gifts that like some are evangelists and some are prophets and some are teachers and some have the word of knowledge and some have the gift of faith. It's not the working of miracles and some are discerning of spirits and some have tongues, interpretation of tongues. It's not like that, that some people have different gifts. It's not like your low nature that everybody has different types of struggles. This is what's cool about the Holy Spirit. Is his fruit when he fills your life is the same it's the same in every person man woman or child whether you lived in the first century the 16th century or the 21st century his cluster of fruit is love it's joy it's peace it's patience it's kindness it's goodness are you hearing me today it's gentleness it's faithfulness it's self-control what does the holy spirit look like in 2022 the same as he did in acts he looks the same well all my christian friends are saying crazy things because they've unhitched from this book and i'll tell you that apostasy always begins when you think you know more than this book You know what we need to do? We need to be planted. I'm going to be planted. Say be planted. God told me this last night that some of you, you're going through a hard time right now, but I want to remind you that my vineyard friends have told me that the greatest wine is produced by grapes that have gone through stress. And some of the sweetest churches, some of the sweetest ministries, some of the sweetest revivals to ever hit the world did not come out of ordinary times. They came out of turbulent times great vineyard owners will actually intentionally under irrigate by keeping the soil dry. The grape vines will work harder to grow. The vines will search for water. They'll sink deeper into the earth. They plant more firmly in hopes that finding what they can rather than accepting what they have. And there's too many people today that have accepted what they have instead of plugging into the Spirit of God and believing for what God can make you. We're going to be planted. Can I get an amen? You want your kids to serve God? Get planted in a church. I would love it to be this church, but I'm not even selfish. If you, you like Mark, you're just, you're, you, you wear your wife's jeans. I don't like that. and You're going you to get socks. I can't go to church here. That's fine. A lot of great churches in Orange County. But I will tell you this. If you live your life going one church to another church every weekend, you will never produce the fruit you're capable of. Show me a tree that produces massive fruit that's never planted in a local church or in a local yard. Planted trees bear the biggest fruit. Well this church isn't perfect. Well none, no church is. In the moment you show up to it, it's not, right? moment I show up to it, it's not. There's no such thing as a perfect church, but there's a church that's perfect for you. Say with me, get planted. Fruit only comes when you're planted. Fruit only comes when you abide. You know what the annoying thing about fruit is? It takes. We want fruit like right away. Well, I came to church yesterday, give my life to God. Give me a microphone, I want to preach. It's like, no, I, dude, I I wouldn't want, I wouldn't want you to do that for me. It takes time abiding. It takes fertilizing. I'll be honest, some of the most painful things in life have a way of producing this. Do you know that the, the anointing oil came out of came out of olives that were crushed. And I'll be honest, some of the most anointed ministries of women and men in the world oftentimes come from men and women that have paid the highest price. People want the platforms and the anointing. They don't want the crushing they went through. People don't know. I mean, my my side, I was a janitor for five years. My friends were going to law school. My friends were going to UCLA. You, You, They're becoming football players in the NFL. All my buddies, they're becoming doctors. They're like, Mark, what are you doing? I'm a janitor at a church in Idaho going to Bible college. I sliced deli meat at Winco. I just, yeah, I just, no one sees me. I feel like I'm missing on my education. I'm missing on every. I'm falling behind, but I've learned this, that you never fall behind when you put God first. You never go backwards when you put God first. My job for five years was to lock the church up. I cleaned it, and at the end of the night, they trusted me every night my job was to walk through a dark 65,000 square foot building and make sure every door was locked. That's a, By the way, you got to be pretty brave to walk through a big church at night. In the dark. I would lock every room up. You know what I would do though at night? I would go into our auditorium, 1,100-seat our, our auditorium, 1, auditorium, and I would go on that stage and I would pray for the seats. I'd begin to preach in that empty room at night. No one saw it. No one heard it. I think some of my best messages were in that room. But I'll tell you what, there was something that was established in me learning how to pray when no one was there and preach when no one was there that that crushed something in my pride, crushed something in me. I said, God, I don't care if anybody else ever hears this, this is for me and you. And I believe if God can trust you in the secret place, he can trust you in the public sector. We got too many people that want to be public, used, but not privately devoted. It doesn't work that way. You got to be planted. You got to be abiding. You gotta be watered. You gotta be fertilized. You gotta let God prune your life. You gotta let God harvest your life. And when you're harvested, God can reproduce the fruit of your life. Good trees don't bear bad fruit. It's crazy. If you wanna make everybody happy, don't do anything. We've had people throw rocks at us. We moved down to California. People make crazy accusations against my wife, crazy accusations against us, this church. It's like, really? You think? You think that I gave my life up to do stupid things for the devil? If I wanted to serve the devil, I never would have gave my life to God in 2002. I was living for the devil before that. I gave my life, surrendered everything in 2002. And by the way, I'll just be honest with you. If I had bad fruit in my heart, there would be bad fruit in this church. Good trees don't bear bad fruit. Who's got some good fruit since you've come to Ocean's Church? Make no mistake about it. Good trees bear so don't listen to someone. And by the way, the people that criticize churches the most usually have no fruit. Who have you led to the Lord this week? Let's talk. I've led, I've led I don't know, I've led probably, I don't know, 75 people to the Lord this month? At church? Airplanes? Coffee shops? Who you decide? I'm, I, I'm not trying to brag. I'm saying good trees produce bad, they don't produce bad fruit. And what I've found is the people that usually criticize churches and pastors and leaders usually have bad fruit. Who loves God that you're discipling? No one. Who's in love with their Bible that you're discipling? No one. Who's creating a life-giving community that you're, you're leading? No one. I'll be honest. It's always easier to criticize food than it is to create it. It's always easier to criticize a film than to create it. It's always easier to criticize a ministry than to lead it. It's a, are you hearing me today? We will not be a church that criticizes Amen? You stand on your feet. Who wants some holy fruit in their life? I want to pray for you. We'll get you out of here. I just feel strong today. So important here. Reading this author lately, he's been messing me up. He had this really cool quote. He said, uh, He said, When we get humble enough, we get low enough, we get desperate enough, we get hungry enough, we get concerned enough, passionate enough, broken enough, clean enough, prayerful enough, then God will send a revival that surpasses the awakening that anything in this country has ever experienced. I believe it's time to see the earth filled with the glory of God. I believe it's time to see stadiums, televisions, movie screens, radio airwaves, phones, homes, and coffee shops full of people that are calling on the name of God. Come on, if you believe it, you can put your hands together today. <laughs> Salvation Army shook the world. Singing the song of William Booth. He says, we need another Pentecost. Send fire, send fire. I believe the book of Acts, one scholar said, the book of Acts describes the church of Jesus Christ before it became fat and, and out of breath by prosperity and the muscle bound by organization. I believe that we got to get back to a church that doesn't just have money and affluence, but has the glory again. Too many churches have gold, but they don't have glory. We want to get hungry again. Are you hearing me today in Orange County? we got to leave a little room for God to to come into this place, to interrupt our services. One time Martin Luther was asked, how did you change the world? His response was this. When God created the universe, he started with nothing. And if he today can find someone who would be willing to be nothing, there is no end to what he can create, and there is no end to what he can do. Imagine this. I heard a great preacher named Jensen. He did, a, he did a message one time. He talked about how a pizza box is only seven cents, but it's so needed because none of us would order pizza if there was no box it was delivered in. His point was that if a pizza came to your house without a seven-cent box, that the, the delivery guy would walk up to your door with pizza oozing down his, slit, his, his arm, cheese overflowing down his forearm and his hand and you would be grossed out, and you wouldn't want nothing to do with that pizza. But the truth is, that box is only seven cents. What makes that box valuable? Two things. It's empty, and it's clean. And I believe the Spirit of God will fill anybody that's willing to be empty and willing to be cleaned. I'm tired of living for my low nature. Then give the Spirit of God today permission. You can empty me, and you can clean me and if you'll let him empty you and clean you he'll fill you with a glory that'll feed a hungry world if you believe it come on give him a 10 second hand clap today we're done I want to pray how many today would say Mark I don't want to live for my low nature every day God help me I want to crucify that flesh I want to crucify my old attitude my old problems, my old vocabulary who I was before I came to you I want to live for the spirit I want to live for love, I want to live for the joy, I want to live for the peace, the patience, I want to live with the, the kindness, the goodness, the gentleness, the faithfulness, the self-control. The difference between kindness and goodness in the Greek language is that goodness, it actually represented generosity. I don't want to just be kind, I want to be generous. How many of today would say, Mark, would you pray that the Holy Spirit would fall on my neck like the good father, the prodigal son? That he would begin to embrace me with his, his spirit and begin to give me fruit that would change me. No longer living for the works of the flesh but start producing the cluster of God's fruit. How many today would say, Mark, this message is for me. Would you pray that God would set me free. This would be the beginning of a new chapter of my life. That I wouldn't be governed by my low nature but that I would be filled with the fruit of the Holy Spirit and let the Spirit of God lead my life all over the tents today. Would you just lift your hands real high? I don't have time to belabor this. You know you're talk- You know who you are. Hands are up. I'm just telling you right now, you're kind of the value decision. Should I really surrender to God today? Should I really put my faith in Jesus today? I'm just being honest. You can live for your low nature, but I've never met anybody. Never met anybody that gave into it, that is fulfilled, that's satisfied. Today, hands up all over. Would you pray this prayer? Say, Holy Spirit, I invite you today to fall on me. Today, tonight, this week. I want to be planted. I want to abide. I want to be fertilized by you, pruned by you, produce fruit by you, and reproduce your fruit in my life. Holy Spirit. Show me today that I can put off the old man, the low nature, crucify him, crucify her, pick up my cross, live in the spirit, follow you, Jesus name. He's here right now. You can feel it, right? He's just, God's like the greatest cardiologist in history. He has a way of cutting away the cancer around your heart, cancer around your mind. Here's the good news. He doesn't just do it spiritually. He'll actually do it physically. There's people here today you have cancer. Maybe you have an eating disorder. You want to get free from it. There's someone here you've been cutting yourself for some time now. Someone in here you're sexually confused. You don't know, man, am I am I this? Am I that? Am I in the guys? Am I in the girls? I don't know what's going on. What does God say about me? I want to pray for you. Some of you are here today and you're like, I just I don't know what to do with my vocation, my business. If you're here today, you need a miracle in your body healing in your body a miracle in your life are god to set you free from something or to reveal himself to you i'm gonna ask you to raise your hand real high right now this isn't a god encounter zone right now this is a god encounter zone right now just lift your hands doesn't make you weird it makes you honest hands up all over i would love it if someone next to you if your hand isn't up go ahead and open your eyes if your hand isn't up and find someone that has their hand up nearby you put your hand on their shoulder the bible says that we'll lay hands on those that are sick, that are in need, and they will recover. We pray right now. Come on, all of Ocean's Church. If you're watching, I put your hand on your heart right now, all over the room today. Come on, pray this prayer as we get ready to close. Say, Jesus, I invite you today to fill them, to heal them, and to lead them out by the power of your Holy Spirit. Do what only you can do. I thank you right now. Release a breakthrough a wind, an authority to move in to all that you have for their life. Heal and restore. Meet them here now. Jesus' name. You receive that. Come on, say amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.